Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. I'm Claire Hatton. And I'm Greta Thomas. This show is all about sharing inspiration, uplifting stories, and practical career advice from innovative, original thinking, and pioneering women from around the world. You can find us here every second week, or why not sign up at don'tstopusnow.co so you never miss a show. Plus, you'd make our day if you could rate or review us. It really gives us a boost in more ways than one. It sure does. Now it's time for this week's show. Hello, and welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. Now, if you're inspired by people who have a worthy and clear purpose or mission in life, then you are going to love our episode today. You certainly are. Our guest today is Lena Shu, co-founder of a fast-growing health tech startup called Telecare, which offers underserved people living in regional and rural areas of Australia virtual access to specialists and other healthcare professionals via telehealth consultations. And no offence, Claire, but it sounds like you need a, a bit of a virtual telehealth consultation. You sound very thick with cold or flu today. No, I am indeed. Yeah, Sorry maybe I'll hear that. Oh, that's all good. But back to business, uh, that's enough sympathy for one day. <laughs> <laughs> when Chinese born and raised, Lena moved to Australia as a young woman seven years ago, and she became a mum shortly after. She felt very isolated, out of touch with her new country, and quite alone. While still breastfeeding her second son four years ago, Lena realised she needed to make a change and to do something more in her new country. And so this quietly spoken and determined woman, along with her husband, co-founded Telecare. Two doctors joined them as co-founders as well, and all were inspired by the potential of Telecare to fill a vital healthcare gap by enabling regionally-based patients to have affordable access to city-based specialists and allied healthcare professionals. And as luck would have it, Telecare was founded just six months before COVID happened, so their foresight and careful stakeholder management has really paid off. So much so that Lena was awarded a Cartier Women's Initiative Fellowship this year as one of Oceana's leading female entrepreneurs. Indeed she was. In this episode, you'll hear how a family tragedy helped Lena develop the resilience and adaptability that's so valuable as a female founder. How having a clear and impact-focused mission has made it much easier for Telecare and Lena personally to garner supporters how she and her co-founders are making headway with innovative technology in what is a very conservative and risk-averse healthcare sector, and why relationships are so important to her. What struck us about this inspiring conversation with Lena is how clear she is about her why and how that's morphed into becoming something much bigger and even more meaningful with her business. So, without further ado, enjoy this episode with the humble and mission-driven Lena Shu. 
Lena Shu, welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. Thank you for having me today. Oh, we are excited to have you on the show, Lena, and uh, to hear all about certainly some of your recent adventures, but also your journey overall too. But the way we begin our show is a question we ask all of our guests, and that is, if you were at a dinner party and you were sitting next to someone you were meeting for the first time and they said, so Lena, what do you do? How do you uh, briefly, you know, typically answer that question? I would basically say I'm Lena Shu. Uh, I'm the co-founder and uh, director of Telecare. And Telecare is one of the leading med tech companies in Australia. And our mission is to basically bring the access to the underserved patients and to have quality specialist care nationwide. We are one of the leading virtual care deliverers and providers and uh, we found the company four years back, six months before COVID. Wow, yeah. good timing. It was a really good timing. We obviously didn't foresee that coming. A lot of the time is, I guess, dedication and a bit of a luck to find a venture at the right timing. Yeah. So I imagine you get some pretty interesting. You'd get some pretty interesting conversations after that starter. And you know, I think medi sort of virtual and med tech is so interesting. What's the story for how? You came to co-found Telecare. How did that come about? Interesting enough, I uh, migrated to Australia seven years back. The first three years, I had a very long career break and had my two young children. <laughs> that was primarily the reason why I decided to migrate to Australia. So during that long career break and nurturing my young children, um, I was suffering from mild postnatal depression and uh, that isolation and challenge of finding my feet and settling in in a new society. And finally, when my younger one reached 11 months, that inner urge of breaking through and restore my career confidence got to the point that I felt like I have to do something. Coming from a you know finance and consultants background back in East Asia, I had some exposure in the medical and healthcare services industry in the past. And uh, so I first convinced my husband to be my co-founder. And then um, through our own networks, we run some market research and uh, exposed to nursing home space and healthcare deliveries. And lucky enough, we got two co-founders who are uh, medical professionals. So uh, Ray uh, is a GP and Chris is a nephrologist, a specialist, and they raised their hands and saying, Lena, Michael, this is an awesome idea. What an amazing sort of journey you must have been on just even in the first sort of six to 12 months of starting to try and found this venture. Yeah, it was um, people, you know, back then were saying, you must be out of your mind. You know, I was literally still breastfeeding and suffering from sleep deprivation at night, juggling with two young boys and in a new country. And, you know, there are just so, so many new things that I felt like so foreign to me. And I was just really trying to figure it out how this society works. But, uh, you know, now looking back four years later, I, I just felt like I was very fortunate to gather the amount of support and trust. And that comes to the point, you know, I, I, I often reflect when you have a good mission, that basically acts as a, a guiding star. And uh, when this mission is so 
impactful, you naturally collect a lot of support from the surroundings. I started without much of a clue that how far I can get and then made it through this journey by having so many people supporting us and building my own tribe. So my humble journey was extraordinary to myself. You know, the the, the journey itself is amazing enough that I I really don't feel like the, the final outcome of how successful this company will be is sort of less stressful, but by just being in it um, and, and uh, seeing how myself transformed in this journey is, you know, I'm, I'm content. I, I'm extremely satisfied and I'm feeling so full. That's so fantastic to hear. And it's just shows you how, you know, if you hit on a mission or a purpose, that is not only incredibly inspirational for you as an individual, but for others around you, how that can really galvanize things and, and, and make, make things happen in the world. It sounds like you were in a really difficult position. You know, you own a foreign country with two young children with postnatal depression. It's a really hard thing to get yourself out of that and into taking risks. What do you think from your childhood? or in the experiences that you've had previously have given you this kind of drive? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. And recently, um, you know, with my coaches and all that, I often also reflect my early childhood and uh, my upbringing and, and how that changed the way that I see values and position myself in, in societies and et cetera. So when I was younger, my father had a neurological disorder. So he um, passed away when I was 13. And, and that is why healthcare is something that always, always close to heart. That devastating story in my childhood really changed my life path. So starting from there, I all of a sudden became fairly independent Um and uh, went to a boarding school. And since then, I've been basically navigating myself through journeys and careers and works in different kind of places, went to Canada and U.S. for educations, then established my own consulting business back in China, Hong Kong. So I think that really made a huge difference of how I can get really adaptable in different circumstances and really be determined and resilient enough to really break through. So that was the foundational experience I had. Where did you actually grow up? So I grew up in northeast part of China, which is a fairly remote, smaller town. And then uh, I moved to the capital city in Beijing for my um, uni. It's pretty unusual for somebody to be growing up in, you know, far eastern part of China to be on this sort of global journey. What was it that sort of inspired you to look to be so international? You know, I've been amazed by my own life path. Early days, I would never be able to predict or even forecast that my life could be, you know, international uh, <laughs> uh, from a very humble upbringing. These are the type of things you wouldn't just think that's part of your life journey. So along these decades of very fascinating and interesting experiences, I feel like, you know, life is is just full of surprises. 
at every stage of my life, there's always someone that is giving me lots of lots of love and support. And, you know, I always have this luck of having some role models in different stage of life. When you are so determined, so driven and fearless and resilient enough and very, very dedicated and hardworking, it's easier to attract people to shower love and support and to nurture me. So that was something that I I feel extremely um, blessed and fortunate to have this amount of mentorship, you know, role models along along this journey to really pull me through something that extraordinary that I wouldn't even expect. So for that, I would say uh, all young ladies out there, uh, as long as you're determined, uh, you're hardworking, fully designate, you know, have a uh, a longer vision about where you want to go and how how far you want to grow and you, you will attract some level of support. Yeah. And you also used the word a little way back there of being fearless. And I'm sure that consulting uh, business that you founded between China and Hong Kong out of your, I'm guessing out of your MBA, you know, you had to be quite fearless to sort of make that business work and, and last as long as it did. How did you kind of overcome those natural feelings to be able to push through? I uh, came across this quote. Yeah, I think there was uh, something in line with if you have a clear why, you wouldn't mind the how. So my interpretation is that we need to be very clear of the why. And once you are fully determined and crystal clear about the why, regardless of the ups and downs and challenges, resistance, you know, all of those challenges that we'll face, if you hit the wall this past, then you change another past. And, and if that doesn't work, then you go around and finally you get there somehow. And um, so I guess that, that helped me of curbing my own expectations and having the m- mentality and mindset right. Yeah. You know, I think certainly the research shows that if you're clear on your why or another way I'm, uh, you know, you can describe that is you know, kind of being clear about your purpose, that that can really help. Did your why change or is telecare absolutely on point for your why? Because, you know, people's why and purpose can absolutely evolve over time. But uh, I'm curious about yours. Right. Um, I guess being a valuable member in the society has been always the fundamental why that I had is that value that I can create to the society and the people surrounding me has been always the sort of fundamental why. But I guess telecare basically amplified how this why could basically benefit as many people as possible. From the inception of the company, we basically made it clear that this company is going to cater our services to the underserved. Um, right. So servicing the underserved and filling the gap, bringing the access back is always the why. And so that finally gave me a chance to see how a personal why would evolve into a a larger sort of impact to really benefit a larger cohort of, uh, of people around me. And, and so that really filled my heart because – now you are have a bigger mission and that attracts a bigger cohort of 
supporters, which is a very amazing sort of career experience that I had. Very fulfilling and inspiring. And it's probably time now to ask you, can you explain for listeners just really briefly the basics of, you know, what telecare is and does? We are a, a virtual specialist care provider. We basically establish a holistic digital platform, enable medical specialists and allied health professionals to basically provide quality secondary care to the patients, regardless of their geographic locations and mobilities and uh, financial circumstance, because this platform is specifically catered for underserved patients. We um, not only looking after patients nationwide, we have been also successfully forming public-private partnerships with public hospitals in different states, trying to also meet the demands in regional areas and tackling basically workforce disparity issues in these areas and really enlarging our social and clinical impacts by working with large uh, healthcare organizations and introducing technological disruption to have a spillover effect to the sector and to lift up efficiency, have better workforce arrangement and allocation, and hopefully, you know, we can benefit more patients who actually need the care at the right timing. I love the the fact that you're sort of targeting the underserved. And is it um, accurate to say that it's particularly for patients who need to see specialists? Is- That's right. We are very, very focused in the secondary care space, meaning specialists and allied health services. We would like to be a supplementary service to the sector, introducing technology in the way that we would like to maintain the sort of ecosystem balance and the disruption needs to take place with all the stakeholder engagement and buy-in. So we co-design our products with the stakeholders together to really identify pain points and introduce disruption and, and, and innovation step by step. That sounds really, really smart to be doing that and not to be sort of trying to um, disrupt the industry, but actually make it better. What's been the toughest sort of challenge since you founded Telecare? Healthcare industry itself is probably one of the sort of largest industries in terms of government spend. And Australia is famous globally for its healthcare quality and uh, you know, universal healthcare is something that Australia is very proud of. So every citizen has entitlement with quality healthcare. However, the industry is so conventional that um, uh, it is also highly risk averse, meaning that introducing technological innovation, you will face lots of resistance. So that's probably the largest challenge we face is how we can introduce technological innovation into this risk-averse industry that has so many compliance and uh, rules and regulations around privacy, cybersecurity, patient data protections, and et cetera. So for a growing organization, obviously, that means higher overheads, to be fully compliant with all the government regulations and requirements. So again, it's a, it's a balancing art of 
maintaining our fast growth trajectory, but also on the business side to make the business more viable financially by balancing all of these investments and uh, how fast we can introduce technology, uh, how much we can engage the stakeholders and uh, to maintain the momentum. Yeah, you know, it sounds like a, a hugely complex change management pro- program within a very traditional industry. And I think the way that you're approaching it from a partnership and ecosystem perspective is sounds really, really smart. What have you found that has helped you be successful in building these partnerships while balancing that need to be high growth and innovative in a highly compliant ecosystem? So from our very humble um, experience, I think whether you are developing a product or services, we need to be hyper-focused on the customer's needs. Basically, identifying that gap to fill and that acute demand in a, a specific area, right? And um, trying to understand the system setups and why that gap is presenting, build your services to fill that acute demand first and involve in that in, uh, sort of stakeholder engagement, change management, heavily involve the clients or partners into a process to co-design the service and product, make sure that they are actively participating in the architectural designing process, I think is the key for any success. And uh, not to, um, I guess, uh, cut anyone's lunch, but rather just position ourselves in the supplementary position. And to be flexible and listen to the customer's real need, design something and and start from small because they are risk or worse. And we need to be very flexible to accommodate that change management process, which could be long. But I think once the trust is built and then the clinical governance framework is solid, we can always grow and stabilize our relationships and have a long lasting uh, sustainable model of care. You know, it's, it's really refreshing to hear you say that because that's, that's not the normal sort of high growth tech company approach. I've spent quite a lot of time working in Asia and it kind of reminds me of the difference in Asian cultures around, you know, long term relationships and how those are so absolutely critical. And there's a lot of time spent nurturing those relationships and building trust. Do you think your experience upbringing has really kind of given you an advantage here? I'm sure it is. And now you mentioned it. I mean, this is the ever first time I actually think about this from this angle. But I was brought up in Asia and, you know, being a Chinese, obviously relationship building is the key for any success in our society. And and this sustainability ecosystem balance and growing together with your partners is something fundamental in our culture. So I feel like this is probably something that have been embedded in my business philosophy as well. I think in this industry, you need that level of trust and that credentialing is probably very, very important. And we um, value our brand 
And we would like to go extra miles to build that trust and maintain that trust uh, within this ecosystem. And that's really the fundamental key for our success by far. It sounds such a compelling model and a bit different to others that I've heard of. How difficult or easy has it been to get investment? We by far had um, completed two fundraising rounds. We've been fortunate to attract a lot of doctor investors. Mm. Yeah, so our um, initial sort of pre-seed round, we had uh, our own doctors practicing our platform, basically raise their hands and saying, we as clinicians servicing um, the patients through your platform believe that this is the future of healthcare. So they actually invested in us. And uh, the second round, our leading investor was, is uh, Medical Andros. So they're one of the most uh, renowned VCs in the medical field. And behind that, it was roughly 70 doctors putting together a syndicate fund invested in us. And then uh, Victoria government had a female founder fund called Alice Anderson Fund. And so they uh, co-invested together with uh, Medical Andros and also I5 Collective is a female fund supporting female founders. So basically a few other uh, high net worth family offices, uh, but they're all sort of impact driven investors and they understand uh, what we're doing takes time and we need to be prudent and patient in this journey to make sure that every single step of the way has a clinical governance tightly controlling the process and making sure the care quality is guaranteed. Um, so we've been fortunate enough to have this level of support by far. Uh, we're obviously still raising just because we need to heavily invest into our technology platform because it is really a complex patient journey that we're managing. Linking up the clinicians and the patient is the simplest part, but there's so much more behind the scenes Continue of care management, you know, the medical documentation management, care team formations and, you know, all that follow ups and et cetera. There's just a lot going on in terms of uh, technology. We're currently investing quite a bit into next level of next generation of research in terms of AI applications into holistic organizational healthcare management. So that's a big investment that we're making and we're fully designate that that will change the future of healthcare. So still raising, but um, uh, we're probably looking at impact-driven uh, investment and investors that really share our vision. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, those doctor investors who've demonstrated their faith in your your vision, you've also had further kind of evidence of that because you had the honour of being selected as a fellow by the Cartier Women's Initiative for Female Entrepreneurs. So congratulations for that. It sounds like that's been uh, quite an experience. You've you were in Paris just a few weeks ago for the big awards and you, you sort of, I think, rewarded the sort of second prize for the whole of the Oceania region. What's the experience been like to sort of meet all these other female entrepreneurs from around the world? It has been an extraordinary journey to be included and invited by Cardia Women's Initiative and and become a fellow for 2023. Clearly, this is one of the highlights in my career life by far. One of the fellow uh, members was saying that running a business, a startup as a female founder, is not often glamorous 
(laughs) It's actually more like a roller coaster. And this, you know, Cartier Women's Initiative is something special in that it makes us feel so well looked after. It makes me feel so safe and vulnerable because we were being the celebrities in this journey. There were, uh, you know, hundreds of people they put together, our coaches, our advisors, um, the supporting teams, the communities they built around us, make us feel like so pampered. Uh, in, in Paris, it was just unreal. <laughs> it was so fancy and it was just, you know, on the stage with a thousand audience down there. And um, we we literally, I mean, I, myself, I haven't been on stage ever since from uni days. You know? It was just extraordinary um, feeling that you, you felt like this is the moment that People were celebrating us and uh, it was very special. But also having this international exposure and really speaking to like-minded women from different walk of life, but also um, sharing same level of anxiety, stress, challenges in life, you know, and and inspirations, uh, empowerment among these women. And in, at INSEAD, we actually had four days of really having case studies of our own ventures, which is really, really interesting. You know, we can so much relate to each other, you know, whether you are in this part of the world or others, amazingly sharing some same level of, of issues. And we encourage each other, build allies and tribes and feeling like we're not isolated. And it, it, it's a very beautiful program that it is well-designed and there's financial support and et cetera. So, I, you know, look, I, I think it's, it's one of the best initiatives that have been included, invited, and big appreciations to Cartier Women's Initiative. Sounds like an amazing experience. Lena, one of the last questions that we tend to ask our guests may be quite hard, but I suspect for you it might not be. And that is, what does success look like for you? So um, I, one of the reflections at the um, Cartier, among the peers, we actually have a very similar discussion. I got so vulnerable in that week and so emotional as well due to the amount of overwhelming cheers and <laughs> appreciations <laughs> and everything we have received. And I said, I feel now is the look of my personal career success. I know we were not going to stop, and this is really still the early phase of the company's development, but I feel like I'm so content of what I have achieved as an individual female founder. The amount of trust, recognition, support that I have received by far from my own team, from my family, from the stakeholders and partners that we have received. And I came to the point I feel like I'm absolutely blessed and content. And regardless of the future achievement we're going to pursue, whether, you know, we'll go up and continue growing our portfolios and have larger success around uh, this space, I'm already content. So the measurement of success is basically, you know, how much impact I can create. And if I could do this within four years time in a new society, I'm completely satisfied. So anything above is going to be a huge plus. And I'm just feeling blessed. 
And that really helped me to be calmer and less anxious when uh, facing new challenges and to be more patient and have great clarity of what's ahead of us. Yeah, I think you couldn't have answered that question more beautifully, Lena. And I think you've made the point in so many words that you are enjoying and being very present in the moment and the journey. It's not just about some far off goal. It's you've showing that you're living life to the full uh, in appreciation terms anyway now. So congratulations for that. Yeah, I think we can all take a leaf out of your book. That's fantastic. Well, Lena, thank you so much for such a wonderful discussion. We've really, really enjoyed it. And we're also really excited and proud of what you're building because it really is making a difference. So thank you for your generosity today. And if our listeners wanted to find out more about you or more about telecare, where would they go? If whoever um, among the audience is interested to learn more about the business, uh, you can Google telecare.com.au. You can easily find me on LinkedIn, Alina Shu or telecare. You're more than welcome to reach out. I'm happy to have chats and share my um, humble stories with whoever might be interested in my career path or the company. And uh, thank you, ladies, for spending the time with me today. So uh, once again, a great reflection and a lot of fascinating discussions happening today. Thank you so much, Lena. Thank you. I just love how thoughtful and humble Lena is, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other thing I was thinking? What's that? Well, she must have also been pretty persuasive and very inspiring to persuade her husband to start a business, particularly if you think that, you know, Lena had never worked in Australia at this stage. Yeah, you're so right. But you know, as she says, if you land on a mission that can solve a worthwhile problem in society, then you attract support. Yeah, and that she clearly has done. You know, I think we can also learn from Lena's patience to build her business slowly and make sure that Telecare earns trust with its customers and stakeholders and co-creates different aspects of their product with you know, their customers. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's really interesting. And I think we can learn something from the Chinese culture and actually, you know, most Asian cultures there about the importance and value of having mutually successful long-term relationships. Yeah, I think Australia and other more Anglo societies could benefit a lot from that, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's this episode done and dusted. We'll be back in two weeks' time with a top executive from one of the world's most fascinating companies, Lego. I so enjoyed that conversation. Now, if you haven't already, please do go to your podcasting platform and rate us and hit subscribe. It really would mean a lot to us. And that way you also won't miss an episode. In the meantime, have a great week. Stay patient and ciao for now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.